Jake here. Thank you for taking a trip to the past with me. The original podcast version of The Americans will be released weekly, but if you don't want to wait, then go to jakebible.substack.com and become a paid subscriber. You'll receive access to all of The Americans as well as early release novels, audiobooks, and other exclusive extras. That's jakebible.substack.com. Now enjoy the original podcast production of The Americans. Cheers. Warning. This podcast reading is for mature audiences only. You will not be warned again. Welcome to the podcast reading of Jake Bible's The Americans, book two in the Dead Mech Apex Trilogy. The Americans is a sidequel to Dead Mech, meaning it takes place simultaneously with book one. You can listen to this novel first or start with Dead Mech. Go to jakebible.com for more information on this podcast, Dead Mech, and other fiction by Jake Bible. Enjoy. Hey all, welcome back to More Americans. You're going to have to forgive the voice a little under the weather. I finally caught the crud that everybody else has been getting. So I'm going to just stick with the talking points here. First off, thanks everybody for listening. I know you've been digging the Americans. I've been hearing a lot of good feedback. Uh, second off, the ebook is available. Ebook! Um, so you can go to jakebible.com for more info on how to get that. And speaking of ebooks, you can get a signed copy. That's right. I can actually sign a copy of my ebook, The Americans, or Dead Mech, so the two novels. I can sign those puppies and send them to you via email. You'll get an EPUB copy and a Moby copy, so you can play it on whatever e-reader you have, which is pretty darn cool. And it will actually have my signature and whatever signed personalized message you want. Pretty nifty keen, all thanks to my right. And all the links are on my website. So go to jakebible.com, click on where it says get a signed ebook, ebook, and you'll see what's going on there. Also, I just started something new um, yesterday, Saturday, which um, is Sample Saturday. So go check that out, jakebible.com, and uh, you'll see a sample of a story from an author, Scott Roche. He's a, he's a good guy. I like this guy. So, you know, I let him put up a sample. And this is going to be a regular thing every Saturday. So make sure you subscribe to the site um, so you know when it comes out, which is every Saturday. It's not rocket science, really. And if you're an author, if you're a writer, if you're a creator, whatever, and you want to be included each Saturday, um, just, you know, look at the post. I have it there. And shoot me an email. Follow the instructions. And I'll put your stuff up. The queue is already filling up. I've got about a dozen writers who have already lined up to have their stuff on the site. So this is going to be cool. This will um, definitely expose some new writers to some new fans, and you guys will get to see, you know, the different things that are out there. Some of it may be sci-fi, some may be horror, some may be just, you know, straight fiction, you know, that literary stuff. Who knows? Some could be erotica, some could be whatever. You never freaking know. I got it wide open. I am not putting any limits on this because, let's face it, it's art, folks. You shouldn't limit art ever ever and that's about it all right <clears throat> i don't think my voice can take anymore <laughs> all right thanks for listening y'all enjoy the episode cheers chapter 
30. Did any spiders make it through? Mr. Stone asked. Yes, sir, his driver replied. Nearly three dozen are en route to our coordinates. What about missiles? Did they strike anything above us? Not yet, sir. They do appear to have locked onto some nanotech signatures, but... But what? Looks like they've dropped again, sir. They're coming right at us. Fire everything we have at them. Don't let those jacks touch ground. Missiles filled the sky, and the ghosts tried to adjust their suits' forms, hoping to get some extra maneuverability, but those that lacked any aerodynamic knowledge made too many mistakes, and several ghosts careened right into the missile's path. One ghost exploded on impact, the resulting shockwaves knocking three more ghosts unconscious, sending their bodies plummeting to the ground, spinning wildly out of control. Two of the ghosts that collided with the missiles, but were lucky enough not to set the projectiles off, had the same idea at the same time and wrapped their bodies around those missiles. They reformed their suits into protective shields, keeping the others safe from the shockwaves that erupted when the missiles finally detonated and sent the two ghosts speeding to the earth as giant fireballs. We won't even get to the HAVs if this keeps up, Gene Lister yelled over the comm. Can't really turn back now, Heather shouted. I want shock troops on the ghosts that just hit the ground, Mr. Stone ordered. Torch them so they don't come back. A following HAV unloaded 20 of its shock troops and they converged on each of the fallen ghosts, setting them ablaze with burning hot phosphorus before they could regain consciousness. The lucky ones never did wake up. The screams of those that did echoed across the landscape. All guns to the sky, Mr. Stone yelled. Try to pick them off. But Mr. Stone was too late in his order as the remaining ghosts slammed into the ground, with only two of them hitting an HAV. Holy fuck! Heather screamed. There's no second dose of anesthetic! You folks okay? Alex asked over the comm. A chorus of derisive language spewed at him instantly. Sorry, stupid question. TL struggled to gain his feet, but never made it, a stream of phosphorus hitting him square in the chest. His screams filled the calm as a hole burned through his suit, then his skin, his ribs, lungs, and out his back. His body tried to repair itself, but the phosphorus was too fast, and eventually he was reduced to smoldering scraps that twitched for a moment, and then were still. They have our number, Heather shouted. Take out the phosphorus throwers! Heather looked about as she opened fire on the shock troops rushing at her, and realized that besides herself, only Jean and another ghost named Scritch Roberts were left. Fuck! Jean's spikes extended quickly, impaling the front trooper with the phosphorus thrower, ripping his throat out. She twisted her spike and hooked the phosphorus thrower, ripping it out of the choking man's hands and into hers. Let's even the numbers! She let loose and began to cut a path through the troopers, turning their bodies into burning, flashing piles of screaming, fusing, melting flesh and metal. Right behind you, Heather said, following in Jean's wake, firing at any trooper that came from the sides. She started to notice that the bullets impacting against her suit were hurting more and more, and she realized her energy was running low. She'd need to feed soon, or she wouldn't be able to repair much longer. The first trooper that got close enough, Heather gored him, prying his suit open and scooping out as many organs as possible. She brought the nutrient-rich liver to her mouth and tore off chunks, barely chewing the meat before she swallowed. She never stopped blasting, though, making sure the troopers couldn't take down Jean. Another HAV down, sir, Stone's driver announced. Only three ghosts left, but the troops are having a hard time with them. A hard time? 
Mr. Stone roared. I'll show them all what a hard time is. boy, Mr. Stone. Let's give them what for. Stone stood from his seat and shoved his way out of the HAV and into the battle. He grabbed whatever BC he could from around him, even if it was still part of a trooper's suit, and formed the material into a large cannon. He caught Heather's eye, and he could see her face turn white under the liver blood smeared across her cheeks. Who the fuck is this guy? I know him, right? Heather yelled over the comm. The motherfucker has ghost abilities. How the fuck is that possible? I don't know, Alex responded. Ghosts have to be genetically engineered from birth. Thanks for the science lesson, Al. I know how a ghost is made. Just talking out loud, sweet thing, Alex replied. What's he doing with his impossible skills? Stone created a large tripod and lifted the cannon on top to steady it, setting anchors deep into the ground. While he was now strong enough to wield the massive weapon, the sheer force from the recoil would send him flying. Keep it steady, Stone. It would be quite embarrassing to miss with this big thing. Hush now, Reginald. Why'd you pick a cannon anyway? It's, it's a bit unwieldy. First thing that came to my mind. Who am I to argue with inspiration? Well, not me. Let the inspired destruction begin. Stone watched Jean and Heather get closer and closer. When they were twenty meters out, he pointed the cannon at them and the thirty shock troops they were battling and fired. The shell sped from the weapon and rocketed towards its target. Heather tried to pull Jean out of the way, but Jean shook her off, turning her phosphor on the incoming projectile. The ensuing explosion seemed to suck the oxygen out of the area, and Heather felt as if her lungs were being ripped from her chest. She could feel the heat of the detonation, and then the pain as phosphorus-coated shrapnel hit her suit and began to eat its way through to her skin. She forced herself to her feet, ripping the damaged parts of her suit off of her, and found herself facing the approaching figure of Mr. Stone. In her experience, although now thirteen years less due to memory loss, Heather had learned how to tell the difference between cold-blooded killers and those that killed for their jobs. The look on Mr. Stone's face told Heather he was neither. His face was that of the pure predator. Killing wasn't a job or part of some warped mind. Mr. Stone killed because it was what his warped soul was put on earth to do. Miss Walton! Mr. Stone shouted. I am beyond pleased that we actually get to meet face to face. Faster than Heather thought possible, Mr. Stone knelt, grabbed up some stray BC, and had it formed and flying at her. She barely moved out of the way as several small blades whizzed past her head. Little knives aren't going to take me down, she shouted at Stone. You'll have to do better than that. I did, Mr. Stone grinned. Heather spun about in time to see the blades combine into one long, curved weapon that spun about and changed its course, heading right back at her. She ducked and rolled, but the edge caught her shoulder, nearly taking her whole arm off. She winced and got to her feet. That was when the four other curved blades Mr. Stone had just formed embedded themselves in her chest and abdomen. Bravo, Stone! Well done! You're pretty skilled with the getaway, but your one-on-one -on -one needs a little work. Mr. Stone laughed as he closed the distance between Heather and himself, leaping into the air and bringing his knee down directly onto Heather's face. The crunch of bone could easily be heard over the other sounds of battle as the only other ghost left, Scritch, kept fighting off the troopers. Mr. Stone glanced over at the lone ghost. Looks like your buddy is holding his own. He yanked the blades from Heather's body and tossed them into the battle. Troopers cried out as the blades sliced through them to get at Scritch. The ghosts never saw them coming, and when they hit, and passed by, 
he actually had time to look down at his body before it separated into five pieces. Boss him! Mr. Stone pulled Heather to her feet and turned her broken face towards the spectacle as troopers turned Scritch's parts into five burning piles of white-hot B.C. and flesh. I know you aren't the last ghost, Mr. Stone growled, but your death will be sweet. Heather struggled against Stone's grip, but the man was too strong. Stop, Miss Walton, just, just stop. You're embarrassing yourself. You have her now, Mr. Stone. Oh, you have her good. With the ghosts gone, the remaining troopers marched back to their HAVs. Mr. Stone forced Heather to watch until the last one was loaded. You see that, Miss Walton? That's what the future looks like, Mr. Stone snarled in her ear. No more privileged monarchs, no more overbearing religions, no more fucking jacks thinking they know what is right for everyone. The future will be ordered, the future will be efficient. And for those that don't step in line, <laughs> the future will be brutal. You're, you're a fucking psycho, Heather gasped through broken teeth that every time they repaired, Mr. Stone just smiled and shattered again. Psychosis is defined by a distorted perception of reality, Miss Walton. I may have a different view, but my perception of reality is not distorted. Not for long, anyway. Fuck you, Heather said. Pity, those are your last words, Mr. Stone said as he started to form several more blades, but paused as a whining noise from above caught his attention. What? Those aren't my last words, Heather whispered. My last words are, I love you, Alex. Well, Chief, we knew this was coming, Stiles said, disengaging from the BTT's control console as the aircraft screamed towards the earth. We certainly did, Eddie, Alex said, pulling a flask from inside his pocket and taking a long pull. Here, it's a private batch for Russian royalty only. Stiles took the flask and drained it. Thanks. Alex laughed as Stiles handed him the empty flask. The laugh was the last sound he ever made. We've lost contact with the BTT, sir, a tech informed the general. Its last known coordinates just went nuclear. Guess the ghosts did what they could before the prince did what he had to, the general said solemnly. Give me a private comm to Melissa Brenton and Billy Brenton. Melissa looked over at her uncle as soon as the general gave them both the news. Billy's eyes were pooling with tears, but he fought to keep control. Melissa got up from her seat and yanked Billy to his feet. He started to protest, but gave up when she wrapped her arms about him and buried her face in his chest, her sobs and shaking grief bringing them both to their knees. Beth watched for a second, but turned away from the two stricken figures kneeling on the HAV's floor, trying to give them some privacy. Few American personnel that were in the hold with them turned away also, but each felt their own pain and grief over the friends, colleagues, lovers, and children lost over the past few days of hell. Through the smoldering blast site, the spiders came. The EMP that went out after the BTT detonated seemed to slow them down briefly, but did not stop them. The area was still so hot that the spiders' feet melted and reformed each time they touched the ground, so they increased their speed, honing in on the last signal they received showing them where the American convoy was. What flesh was inside the BC bodies did not feel the effects of the nuclear blast. They couldn't feel the heat or the intense radiation. 
All the flesh could feel was the drive to hunt and kill, to get to their target and exterminate, to end the Americans' existence on Earth. The spiders crawled into and out of the blast crater, alien creatures in their own world. You've been listening to the podcast reading of Jake Bible's The Americans. This novel and recording are protected under whatever latest, greatest Creative Commons license is out there currently. Share this all you want. Just don't even try to make a buck off it without the express permission of the author, me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please go to jakebible.com. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of the re-release of the original podcast production of The Americans. Don't want to wait each week for a new episode? Go to jakebible.substack.com and become a paid subscriber. Want more audiobooks? Go to jakebible.com for info and access to dozens of Jake Bible fiction audiobooks and ebooks. Cheers.